It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Once again, talking about the game we all love. Phil, good day. It's becoming quite a familiar theme on the podcast to offer congratulations to Neil Robertson. He has won another big title, this time the Players' Championship, beating Barry Hawkins at 10-5 in the final. You know, it's quite hard to keep coming up with new superlatives for Robertson. Uh, He really is just a very special snooker player, isn't he? And a brilliant champion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, another another big one for him. And... I guess I think we mentioned a bit ago that Zhao Zintong was probably player of the season so far, but I think Neil may have edged back ahead of him uh, with that big win at the Players' Championship. And he did it with a minimum of fuss, really. You know, it's not you don't get easy games in tournaments like that, but he, he breezed through it as much as you can breeze through these kind of things. Um, so, yeah, very impressive from him. And, uh, you know, it's, Sheffield's coming round and it's going to get to that point where we're saying... Everyone's fancying Neil to do well there again, so we'll come to that shortly, I think. Yeah, I think I put a poll up, actually, and it was about 60-odd percent saying, yes, he will win another world title, which I think is just about right. I mean, really, you should say he should be getting more than that for the... But you have to take into account his, his, you know, quite ordinary record there, certainly since winning it, only once at the one-table stage. Because if it was done on form early, you know, he he was now you'd have to say the man to be, wouldn't mm. you? You know, you you'd go you go as far as that. Plenty of snooker tools to be played. A couple of months left yet, and some big old tournaments. But just the way he's looking, yeah, he's you know he's just brilliant. And I, and I was also saying uh, on Twitter, you could probably say this for most of the top players, frankly. But when he's on form, you, you sometimes have to sort of step back a bit. And just think, God, he really is special. And how does he, how does he ever get beaten? You know, he's so meticulous in his work. He's so brilliant in the balls. He's just a potting machine. 
And he gets in the zone like he's been this season. And he's, you know, almost unstoppable in, in those big weeks. And no, no matter who's playing him, Ronnie, Judd, Trump, Selby, you put the very best in the game against him. And, you know, he's just so difficult to turn over. And he's got that bit between his teeth even a bit more than usual this campaign, isn't he? It certainly seems that way. I think so. I think what was really impressive about this tournament was um, he actually wasn't necessarily at his blistering best for for all of it or even a lot of it. Um, that first win against Kyron, um, the semi-final against Jimmy Robertson, it was just sort of efficient more than, you know, it wasn't like Higgins last year when he was just like decimating people. Um, but that's almost more worrying for, for the rest of the field if he can not really be at his very best and still waltz to a big title. Um, and yeah, he's got everything. Um, I mean, it showed, as I say, if he wasn't making big breaks, he was playing excellent safety. He's got it all. Um, and yeah, it's very hard to see anyone beating him at the minute. But then, yeah, it does It just, just come and go. That's the vagaries of form, isn't it? We've said that about other people at other times. It's very hard to see how they can lose. And then suddenly they start losing. So... Um, we'll see. As you say, it's a couple of months to the Worlds, but uh, if he's still playing and winning like this, then it'll be a lot of people's tips. But yeah, as I said, we've said that before. We really have. Should I get the showing off bit out of the way now? Yes, let's do it. <laughs> well, we are a couple of days late this week, folks. And uh, thanks for those that messaging us saying, where the bloody hell are you? <laughs> um, you know, People putting it a bit more politely than that, maybe, but that, that's the sentiment behind it, Phil. Don't you know? Let's let's be clear here. Um, it's actually a Wednesday here in the UK, and it's definitely my doing because I have been in Los Angeles at the Super Bowl, and, and what a trip uh, it was! I've just been bending your ear about it, haven't I, Phil? A little bit before we went to, went on air. I think it will, uh, you know, sustain me for uh, quite some time to come, really, because the miseries of not being able to travel properly during the last two years due to the pandemic uh, made it, you know, really a particularly memorable one, I think. And just the madness and pure show business of, of LA, really. And, you know, it was like, it's like, it's otherworldly, really, generally. And I've been to a few Super Bowls now, but this one may be even more than usual because of that, you know, pandemic factor. But just, you know, walking along Santa Monica Beach, up, the media party night gives you an idea of the, of the money in that sport, Phil. They hired Universal Studios for the media. I mean, you know, this, this is quite mad, really. But there was that. I walked along the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And I was at the big game. Saw Los Angeles Rams winning in their own backyard, uh, beating the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. And not to mention all, all the others there, Phil. Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, all the others. Um, it was a it was a thrill, really. So I, I'm back down to earth now, back home in a, in a British winter. But I think, uh, you know, I, I've joked before and said that maybe 30 percent, sometimes 40 percent of the joy of, of travel is kind of the looking for the booking and the looking back. And I know I'll be basking in the in the, in the glories of, of the trip and the, and the memories for for quite some time. But if you are talking a bit more about the action that we've seen, Phil, this time, I think people will understand you, you followed a. Uh, a lot more than me, but actually, you know what? Because of the the connectivity, if you like, of the modern world, I actually did keep in touch with it a fair bit because of yourself, David Caulfield, Gary Moss, Michael Day, all our friends posting regularly, and obviously World Snooker Tour 
snooker.org. I did keep in touch with quite a lot because obviously, you know, following the news every day and on all the various news services because of covering the Super Bowl. So, you know, I did keep up. And a couple of days, I have to say, I paid my 99 cents through the Matchroom Live service uh, to watch a little bit of action. Very good it is too. It was just basically like watching ITV on there. You know, and all our friends, Dave Hendon, Phil Yates, it was a, a nice bit of familiarity of home. And I watched a bit of the, the, the Ronnie O'Sullivan Judd Trump match, which we'll come to, and even a little bit of the final while I was at that extraordinary stadium, Price <laughs> Stadium. I kept a little bit of a glance. I thought, I like the, the incongruity of this, really. Uh, you know, the, the great contrast of that familiarity of a, of a night of winter snooker at home on that hot Californian afternoon. But yeah. But that, that, I won't mention it too much anymore. If it comes up naturally in my head, I might, but I'll try not to because this is first and foremost, you know, a snooker podcast. That's what we'll get back to. But yeah, what, what a week, Phil. Yeah, I love that picture you put for watching. <laughs> well, that was the final. That, yeah, it must have been on Sunday from your seat there. Um, so is that how it works? Is it 99 cents for a day, is it, on Matrim Live over there? That's what it was. And I was thinking that's about you know, what, 14 or 15 shillings in old money. I mean, it's not a lot really to watch, um, you know, a, a whole day's action. There are various packages, actually. There, there was, I think, a week and a month and, and a year. But I thought, you know what, for, for a couple of frames while I'm pottering around, I'll have that on. And that's, that's not bad value, really. I, I presume it's different for different countries. But, you know, it couldn't have been a clearer or a better service. It was, you know, pinpoint accuracy, really effective streaming. So, you know, I was, I was really impressed, actually. And, you know, it's a good it, it's a good way of sort of keeping tabs for maybe the first time for, for a while, for me, of that promise we have now that anywhere you are, yeah. you can see the match, you know, or see the action. So, you know, it was really good. And, and it's important, isn't it? Because we do get UK-centric on here. The majority of our listeners are from the UK. But we, we try not to because we've got to remember we have listeners everywhere and there are fans of this sport everywhere, aren't there? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, that, that is, that's a nice touch. I mean, I guess, yeah, it'd be, I guess it'd be cheap if you buy it for the year, but just to dip in for less than a pound if you want to watch a final or a couple of semi-finals in a day. I know that doesn't happen this one, but you know, yeah, you can get a lot of snooker for your 99 cents, I imagine, on certain days. So yeah, that sounds good. But yeah, you... They, I'm glad you kept your hand in because uh, it was a great tournament as always. You never get let down by these ITV events. Um, it was a, it was slightly strange one because there were certainly by the semi-finals there was a there was a feeling of inevitability as to what was about what was going to happen over the next couple of days, and th- that really did come to pass. It's uh, as I said, Robertson's sort of breezing to it, but yeah, if we go back to the the start, especially the quarterfinals, there were some really great matches. Very much so. Now, I saw little bits of the final, but the view I had was it was pure Robertson's class that, that ultimately told. But Hawkins definitely put up a better show than the Masters final, didn't he? Uh, you know, that, that's, you know, the, the impression I got. Because it was 7-5, of course. I mean, it's 10-5 in the end, but it was 7-5. And at that stage, you know, you're obviously watching it closer than me. I guess you, you still fancy Neil, but you didn't count out Barry at that stage. He was he obviously scrapped and fought quite a bit harder than that Ali Pali. Yeah, I mean Hawkins played really well all week. He was he was excellent, um, and even ahead of the final, 
even though he's playing great, he's probably played better than Neil over the tournament to that point. But having watched the Masters final so recently and just how good Robertson is, it was it was hard to sort of make a, make an argument for Hawkins, even though he's playing so well. Um, and that's how it came. That's how it happened, really. I mean, um, he, fa- he found himself 5-1 down in the first session and hadn't really done anything wrong. Like, <laughs> Robertson made three centuries on the spin with Hawkins not scoring a point. And uh, um, he did really well to win the last two frames of that first session to keep in such a 5-3. And he was... Yeah, as you say, he stayed in touch, but then Robertson just powered on at the end again. And that's what it felt like. You just Hawkins had had to play brilliantly just to stay in there, and then but you're only ever sort of quite close to another another moment where Robertson puts his foot down and can just speed off into the distance again with reel off three on the on the spin um, with Barry not doing much wrong. So yeah, I mean that's the difference. Hawkins is a superb player, playing very well, but Robertson's just another step up, which is it's mad, really. I mean, being in the top 10 in the world, you you would like to think Hawkins is an elite player, and, and he is in a way, but there's there's just another level above that um, of the top sort of four or five um, who are just, yeah, they're out on their own, really, and Robertson's certainly in that. Yeah, no, you summed it up very well, really. There are those levels within levels, in a way. And, mm. you know, with Barry Hawkins... We said all the, all along, many times over, how he's the most underrated player in the game. But there's just that little sort of nagging doubt when he comes into a final, certainly against the top boys. You sort of think, can he go that extra step? Clearly, sometimes he can. He's won ranking events. But when he's playing one of those very top players in the final, you, you do sort of think, yeah, the favourite has to be a little bit off their game, really. And Barry has to play out their skin. And even then, when Barry did play out of his skin, famously against Ronnie in the world final in 13, he still loses by six frames. Mm. So that just shows, you know, what he has to do, really, when when those, you know, really, really top players are firing, you know, on the biggest stages of all. Um, something I didn't see, but I have heard a lot about, is the abuse that Robertson faced, Phil. I mean... Clearly, someone shouted from the crowd, got rather unsavoury. Neil complained about it a lot afterwards. Um, is it a slight worry, this? Or, or is it just a, nah, one-off? Let's not talk it up too much. Yeah, I think it was hard to quite tell. Um, I, I think it was just one person, because oh. um, Neil was mentioned one person. Even in the speech afterwards, he said, oh, sorry if I upset that one gentleman who has now left. So yeah, I think I don't think we should go too overboard if it was literally just one idiot. Um, but yeah, it, it's not good if the player is so annoyed he's cupping his head while he's still playing shots. I know he'd already got over the winning line, but um, yeah, it's not good. But um, I think yeah, let's not let's not go, get too overboard because I thought the crowd was really good. It seemed like um, it was well attended throughout. Um, it was a it was the right level of boisterousness from the most the majority I thought it was it was noisy at times but not too bad and they said that both the Barry and Neil said afterwards that they they were really impressed with the crowd so yeah I think we can file that under one idiot and not get too worried about it yeah no it's a fair point um it the way I'm thinking in my head it's something to keep tabs on because I actually have seen and, and and from some really good snooker people actually some regular attenders there's just a little bit of the 
slightly over the top aggressive behavior maybe creeping in a bit more and this might be the wrong thing to say but what's in my head is looking at another sport football I believe you saw there's a, a really good report actually that I saw from the journalist Matt Lawton it was a joint effort with the Times and Talk Sport where funny enough he was in Nottingham for the day with police uh, at the Nottingham Forest Leicester game and there's there's a definite element of of worry in football this season that again it's the it's the p word it's the pandemic I think post pandemic people are having that release so much that they're back at events there's almost a bit a bit of the old style bad behaviour creeping in a bit more and it could filter even down to snooker and I have seen from some people that there's quite a lot of drunkenness quite a lot of aggression more shouting than perhaps you want. Now, the Masters was generally brilliant, no question. But a couple of nights, they went too far. Now we've got this. Listen, yeah, let's maybe keep an eye on it rather than get too worried. But I just get the feeling that there's a bit of boisterousness out there in society generally with the release of what's happened the last two years type thing. Yeah, I see what you mean, definitely. And uh, it's so hard to tell, isn't it? Because especially at snooker, um, it's such a fine line. Because you can't have much noise, but the best atmospheres have some noise. But if you can very easily just creep over that line and then suddenly it's too much noise, it's a really hard line to to tread. And, yeah, as you say, if people have had a, some drinks or people maybe haven't been before, they don't quite know what the vibe is. Um, so it can easily go slightly wrong when it's been bubbling along and you've you've almost at the perfect level of just a bit of rowdiness. And it only takes one or two people to just tilt that over too far. But, yeah, no, I, I, I see what you mean. And, you know, we're living in, we continue to live in unprecedented times, really, don't we? Even if we seem to be getting over the, have got over the worst of the pandemic, um, as you say, just the after effects of that, we won't have experienced either. And that's people just getting used to being in things like uh, in crowds again. So, yeah, I think you're right. Keep an eye on it, see how it goes. Um we're probably not the best judges because even if we're at events, we're not out there in the crowd very much. So, yeah, if anyone has experienced that and would like to let us know what they think, please do. Yeah, no, exactly. The more eyes and ears we have on that, the better. Well, let's maybe go back then to uh, the earlier results in the tournament and look at look at the last 16. This is how it turned out. We saw Mark Williams beating Gary Wilson at 6-3. It was Neil Robertson, six, Kyron Wilson, four, uh, Barry Hawkins, six, Zhao Zingtong, three, Yan Bingtao, six, David Gilbert, four, Ronnie O'Sullivan, six, Judd Trump, three, Ricky Walden beat Mark Allen, six, two, Jimmy Robertson beat Luca Purcell, six, one, and it was John Higgins, six, Hossein Vafai, three. Yeah, I saw a bit of that Ronnie and, and Judd Trump. That's a, I paid my 99 cents for that. I think I'd pay a bit more than 99 cents to see Ronnie in that form, Phil. He was, he was smooth as silk for Ronnie. He was terrific. He basically played Judd off the, tra- the table in that game. Yeah, superb, yeah. Um, he's just not as consistent as he has been in the past, but when it's there, it's still very much there. And it was, it was, it was right there in that game. because Judd played well. He didn't do a lot wrong. Um, I'm sure he won't. I mean, he's always disappointed to lose, but... Um, you, you can't argue too much about that. Uh, it was O'Sullivan at his very best, and 
Yeah, great to see. It's a, it's a pleasure to watch um, those two playing like that. Brilliant. Um, but I, obviously he had a very tough game in Neil next, but I, I know a few people at work were saying, oh, well, this, is this how Slovan going to win? Uh, is this him back and going to win this tournament then? And I wasn't convinced because he just doesn't, he doesn't, he's not doing it all in many matches on the spin at the minute. And uh, yeah, he wasn't quite so good in the next game, but yeah, brilliant, brilliant stuff against Judd. Yeah, that's a disclaimer you have to make, isn't it, with, with the class of 92 now. It reminds me a little bit, not in a specific sense within the tournament, but in a broader sense, when Higgins was so brilliant at the Players' Championship. And I think I remember you distinctly saying, mm, actually, though, there's still that doubt about the Crucible because you sort of think, yeah, you've done it now, but he has to do it over two weeks there. And can he sustain this? And, and he couldn't. And that's the kind of way you're going with those three when they're, and quite rightly at their age, frankly. I mean, mm. it's amazing they're doing as well as they're doing, clearly. But when they are firing, they're almost unstoppable, you know, and if they do it throughout one whole tournament, as does happen, they can win big. And one of them can win the World Championship, can't they? Oh, Any, yeah. No question about it whatsoever. Any one of those can win this forthcoming World Championship and it would not be in any way a surprise. But, yeah, you've always got that doubt. Can they sustain it now over that period? Will they chuck in a bad match? And you, you can't chuck in a bad session at the Crucible, certainly a very bad one, or you're out, aren't you? Yeah, and I, th- I think what they still have in their favour as well, as well as how brilliant they are, is that even when they're not playing great, they're so clever and so experienced that, especially, well, all of them really, I wouldn't say especially any one of them, but even if they do have a, a ropey session, they could easily get away with being level or only losing it 5-3 or something. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're still very much in contention for everything because um, their B games are still excellent. But, yeah, they expect them to play their A games regularly. It's uh, Yeah, you shouldn't really expect it too much. Exactly. Uh, on to the quarterfinals then, and these are a terrific set of, of matches, actually. Ricky Walden, six, Mark Williams, five. Walden, five, two down in that one. Uh, Barry Hawkins, six, Yam Bing Tao, five. Another smashing match. Then the Ronnie business where he, he wasn't quite at his level. Neil's obviously so brilliant. Neil Robertson beating him six, three. And it was Jimmy Robertson, six, John Higgins, four. Well, Jimmy Robertson, what a smashing run he was putting together. But that Walden one, I mean... It, He's really back, isn't he? Five-two down against a player like Williams coming back. That that's impressive. Yeah, it was very, very good. Um, Williams looked excellent, and uh, I think he made yeah he made three centuries. Um, which even when Williams is playing well, he's not necessarily sort of as big a century maker as a player of his quality you might think. Um, so that really was sort of looking like very ominous for Ricky. But great fighting, great break building of his own. Um, Williams will be disappointed. I know it's his whole thing that he doesn't get annoyed with losses, but um, after, obviously after what happened at the Masters and there, uh, I think he tweeted like this: "This wouldn't have happened ten years ago, twenty years ago, whatever." Um, and yeah, I don't know what he can do about sort of getting over the line. You wouldn't think someone who's won as much as him would have a problem of getting over the line in matches, but. Um, He's playing brilliantly. He's just not quite getting the getting the rewards at the minute. Because when he when he went ahead there, when he was what four one up, five two up, 
Um, because I remember looking at his odds before this tournament, he was sort of 22 to 1. I was thinking, mm. how are people still leaving Mark Williams as far out as that? And when he was taking that lead, I was thinking, yeah, that I was right. Why didn't I put my money on? And then he'd lost <laughs> quite soon afterwards. So, um, yeah, there is a reason. But um, he's another one. If he can just <laughs> if he can just keep it up a bit more, then you wouldn't rule him out of another World Championship, really. I think it's, it's, it's very much in contention. But great stuff from Ricky. He's having an amazing season. He really is. And uh, as optimistic noises he was making to you in that interview, you know, we're seeing it bare fruition on the table. He's almost the very last player you'd want to talk about psychological issues for Mark Williams. And it's not as if he hadn't had damaging ones before. There was that famous UK final, wasn't there, where Higgins came back from behind to win it. And obviously, eventually, Williams got over that because he beat Higgins in the famous world final. But that Masters semi was so sort of ridiculous in a way last month. We were all still scratching our head a month or so on, thinking, how on earth did he lose that? That's got to be a factor in his head, hasn't he, when he when he's winning matches and when he's nearly over the line? Because it was an outrageous set of events that, that, that meant he didn't make that Masters final. And I wonder whether we're still seeing the effects of that a bit. Maybe, yeah. I mean, he's famously got this great mindset where he can just forget things and he moves on, it doesn't bother him. But as I say, he was tweeting after the Walden loss that, you know, this wouldn't have happened in the past. So that is something in his mind, then, is it? Knowing that, you know, he's he's at an age where he can't quite do things that he used to do. And even though he's got this brilliant mind for the game, that's in there somewhere. You know, that's got to be a knock to the confidence at some point if if you're ahead and someone's coming back. If you've acknowledged that, you know, that will happen at this age, then, you know, it's a, it's a, even if it's a minor factor, it's certainly a factor. So, yeah, you can still you can still win big matches. But uh, like we said before about the other class of 92, you know, they're not just not quite as consistent at doing it before. But the other quarterfinal that really stood out to me was Hawkins against Jan. And Hawkins was, I think he said, he, he I think he was asked afterwards, have you ever played better than that? And he said he couldn't remember it if he had. It was absolutely superb because Jan, Jan made three centuries, a couple of huge ones, 130 odds, uh, a 98 and something else. Uh, when Hawkins still won 6-5. Um, and his win over Xiao in the first round as well, he was superb. So um, it was it was impressive from Barry because obviously that Masters final would have, would have been a knock to the old confidence, but he wasn't showing it and he disposed of the two uh, uber-talented Chinese lads uh, very impressively to get to the semis. Yeah, and you know, obviously, when we're into the real nitty-gritty of the season, tournaments coming thick and fast, we're often reflecting back, thinking, you know, about a player's campaign in, in sort of stages. And he lost in the end, but it suggests Yan Bingtao is, is over Berlin already because, you know, he's performing pretty well. And, you know... Neil Foles expressed it very well when he joined us a couple of weeks ago, that you think it's one of those things, that's the way I, my mind was going. There have been thrashings throughout the history of the game, even in finals, for these big players. But you, you never quite know, because that's such a sort of heavy one. But it looks like, you know, typical of the temperament of the, of the man, essentially, that he's had it, he's had that disappointment, He's learned to live with it quickly and he's kind of back. 
Yeah, well, I watched his first round get him against Gilbert, and uh, he was ridiculous. Like he made a century in the first frame, then an eighty. Um, he made two more centuries. So yeah, he certainly didn't look like he'd had any sort of hangover at all. Uh, Dave did quite well to fight back and make make a game of it, but um, yeah, there was there seemed to be no problem whatsoever for him. So yeah, encouraging because you don't want to see um, you don't want to see like a young player like that hit, hit with sort of big mental scars early in the career like like that could have done because um, it would have been horrible for him. I know it was his mate and I don't know if that would have made it worse or better, to be honest, but hopefully better for him. But yeah, uh, he played really well against Hawkins. Hawkins was brilliant. So yeah, we, I don't think we have to worry about Jan. <laughs> no, indeed. Well, I mentioned that a week or so ago about that uh, after one of the bits of correspondence, I think it might have been during the Your Views episode, that... There are certain things in your head. Well, I think it was a, the, the, the brilliant correspondent we had doing the research about whether the, the, the Saturday late semi-finalist is at a disadvantage. And I said, it's one of those things that's often in your head. And then, you, you know, you, you do a bit of research and it kind of proves it wrong a bit. Well, I'm thinking that we've had a, I could be wrong, as I say, but I'm thinking we've had a stretch now of quite disappointing semis at tournaments. It just seemed, not the Masters, um, but it just seems generally that a lot of the time, you know, because obviously I'm, I'm used to having all the results down in front of me now doing the podcast. I'm like, yeah, great tournament, but the semis are a bit one-sided. Again here, Barry Hawkins, six, Ricky Walden, two. I read your tweet afterwards saying it was quite kind of odd how Walden really wasn't at the races. And then the Battle of the Robertsons was won handsomely by Neil beating Jimmy at 6-1. So, yeah, I mean, from what I could gather, Barry wasn't that brilliant himself, didn't need to be, but just two semi-finals that were over, over quickly. Yeah, the, the Hawkins-Walden one was strange because Walden started off brilliantly. Um, well, he won the first frame with a decent break, and then he was well on his way to winning the second frame, and he missed... Oh, I should remember this. He missed a ball. I can't remember what it was, but... He never seemed to recover from it. It was a bit like his semi-final against Zhao in Germany. And uh, it's a strange one. It was a slight worry for Ricky Walden fans because that's two two big games in a row where one ball seems to have, have cost him almost an entire match. And they were early on as well. And he said, that, he said this in the interview afterwards. He just said it was bothering him and it, it got to him. And Barry played well to go and win quite comfortably from there. But it was odd to... You know, he missed the ball for the to lose the second frame to go one-one, and he basically admitted that he was struggling to get his mind right for the rest of the game after that. So, um, slightly concerning. But when I spoke to him, I spoke to him between Germany and and that one, and he said he's just not been in too many big games in recent years, and when he gets the experience back again, then he should be able to deal with that better. Um, so hopefully that that won't be a problem in the future. But uh, it was a little, it was a little bit concerning for. Ricky Walden supporters, I thought that because there was an awful lot of game left from 1-1 to let one missed ball bother you still. And uh, yeah, Robertson, Robertson. I suppose beforehand, 6-1-0, people might have picked that, but it, it was an awful lot closer than the scoreline suggests. Jimmy will be quite frustrated. He had a chance or chances in every frame, I think. He, he wasn't blown away at all. That's, as I said at the start, when Neil wasn't sort of at his blistering best all the way through, certainly wasn't there. And um, yeah, I think Jimmy will be 
you know, a semi-final player championship is great. He'll be delighted with that when he looks back. But that 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 was almost one that got away because he, if he didn't been playing anywhere near his best, he could well have won that despite losing six one. Yeah, I, I now I remember you saying that. I saw a couple of messages saying he had chances in every frame, and he was kind of very much in in every frame. But uh, yeah, Robertson Neil showing his uh, class to win that. Uh, you know, with a, with a with a very good scoreline in his favour. And then the final, of course, Neil Robertson, 10, uh, Barry Hawkins, 5. So another title for Robertson, a third big one this season and a second ranking uh, success for him. So he really is in the groove in the groove right now. A new venue uh, in, in Wolverhampton, Phil, I think it's back there next year as well. Obviously, we have no first-hand knowledge at all, so we're relying on our colleagues and friends and fans that we know that were there. Um, it's obviously, you know, a, a hotbed of a region for snooker. And it looked like they were, you know, from what I could see from television, the crowds look quite decent. Yeah, same. I'm not seeing any figures or any anything like that. But, yeah, it looked good, sounded good. Um, there's obviously sort of a connection there in general. They've held, they've held the Grand Slam of Darts there sort of three times, I think. Um, so there's some sort of connection with Hearn and that lot. Um and it, it, it's gone very well for the darts as well. So they obviously like it there. Um, and yeah, yeah, it, it seemed to go very well. I had no complaints at all on sort of crowd and uh, involvement front. Well, I've been to Wolverhampton enough times in my life. It, you know, it's obviously not, you know, a, a major city in the sense of a, of a Birmingham or, a, you know, Manchester, Leeds, you know, but it is a pretty big city. And, you know, uh, we, we often, say we certainly have recently you know why don't they take tournaments to the very big places it's clearly a finance issue uh, so this is kind of a bit of a almost maybe a halfway house but it, yeah it seems to go down pretty well and uh, as i say we'll be back back at the same uh, venue for the tournament next next season and generally from from what i could gather itv as strong as ever i, I certainly enjoyed the commentary um, obviously, you've seen a lot more than me, but you know, good presentation. I'll be, I'll be looking forward to seeing the the viewing figures when they come through because generally, and I'm very into viewing figures. Um, generally, but I'm a bit of a nerd with them. When they do come through, that you know, out of the top 15, 20 programs, you know, say it's 15 programs, 11, 12 tend to be snooker. So it's always a boon for the channel, which is why they show five events a year now, and uh, they've become you know an integral part of the snooker story. ITV, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. It was as, as good as it always is. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to see uh, Ronnie and Chum, uh, Ronnie and Judd figures and and to see how the semi-finals got on, really, because um, they were sort of lower key than you might expect, I guess. Um, but isn't it always Barry Hawkins that is always in the record-breaking figures for yes. the finals? So maybe exactly. they will have smashed it out of the park again with Barry being there. I think Dave Hayman uh, told that, didn't he, when he was on here? Yeah. Hawkins, the common factor. Um, and there was a new addition, I think. Laura, Laura Winter was doing the interviewing and she did the, the post-match after the final. And I'll be honest, I hadn't seen her before. I, don't, I think that might have been her first go at, um, on the snooker event. She was very good, very impressive. Um, so, yeah, uh, reliably good from ITV, as always. Indeed. And that was the Players' Championship then. And... Uh, Congratulations to uh, to Neil Robertson. Commiserations to, to Barry Hawkins, but well done to get into the final. Let's move on, shall we, to the Women's World Championship that was played in Sheffield and say, while well, we're offering congratulations 
offer them out to Thailand's Nutrat Wangaratai, who won her first world title, beating Belgium's Wendy Jans 6-5 in the final. Now, should we go with Mink, Phil? With that, you, you can decide. I, I always do, so I'm going to stick with that as well, yeah. Well, I'm, it's just easier, isn't it? But before I left, I said I said I'd finish with the showing off, but it, it was a, a hot Californian afternoon by the swimming pool. I said, you know what? I'm going to watch a bit of this decider. Put it on Facebook Live. Didn't even have to pay ninety nine cents for this one, <laughs> Phil. Free of charge, gratis. And what a decider it was! My goodness me, it was dramatic. Anthony did a snooker. I have to say. In that period when she needed a snooker, she laid some monsters. She really, really put her opponent in a lot of trouble. It wasn't a surprise when Mink eventually missed. Jans was in there. The four balls left. You know, at least three of them, I think, weren't in their normal positions. But you'd have thought, "Mm," you know, the black was certainly at the other end of the table anyway, that she should have cleared up, but I think she left herself a bit too straight in the pink. I've messaged mm-hmm. you about this. I'll have to see it again. Because I was thinking, why did she leave herself so far from the black? But I think she was, you know, <laughs> you know, quite straight on the pink. One of those where you look at it, you know, with, with a screenshot, I think I saw on yours, you think she should get it. But actually I was with a, a friend of mine as we were waiting to go to the airport. And I said, this black isn't easy watching it live. It, it's a tough one for the match. She missed it. She left it on for Mink in the middle. Mink potted it and won 6-5. But it was a really good finish, wasn't it, Phil? I know you followed it as well. I mean, that was proper drama. It was, yeah. And when did potted... Um, she was sort of 40 points behind. It was before she needed a snooker, but she potted an amazing red down the down the rail. I don't know if you saw that bit. To yeah, sort of yeah. get herself in again. Yeah. And I think that was sort of... She put some great balls throughout the match. Um, she was very uh, impressive. In she sort of was, was more the break builder. She made an eighty yard at some point. That was the only sort of one kill visit in the whole match, really, because I think Mink's highest break was thirty two, which is quite incredible that she got through eleven frames and won it with that. But it showed that um, her scrapping qualities. Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting. It was very tense. Uh, and, a, and a great finish. And when, yeah, Wendy was very unlucky. Yeah, maybe she'll be disappointed she didn't get that black. She was unlucky to leave it the easiest shot to middle possible to win it for, for Mink. But um, I suppose it's more exciting for the women's game. Mink's only 22. Um, it's been spoken about for a while as sort of the brightest young prospect in, in the women's game. She made, well, she's reported to have been, to be the only woman to have made a 147, Ooh. which she did in 2019. Um, so yeah, bright prospect, and we'll be on tour next season uh, because winning winning that got a tour card, and I think I think the plan is for the, there'll be four women on tour next season because Rihanna and Anya keep their are in their second year of their card, and then um, because Minx won this, then there'll just be one more off the women's ranking. So yeah, so it's we'll see how she gets on next year, but I, I think she'll have to. Put get her uh, break building boots on a bit more than scoring thirty two over eleven frames, but she's obviously got the potential. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how she gets on. Yeah, exactly that. And as you hinted at there, this didn't come from nothing. I mean, unfortunately, you know, the pandemic has you know created a bit of a of a break in 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 the story of the women's game actually. But she was winning pretty big beforehand, and she's obviously won very big now. So we will definitely 
be interested to see her progress uh, on the main tour. Well, have a look a little bit back at, at, at the quarterfinal stage. Uh, Wendy Yan's beaten Rianne Evans 4-1. Evans, the 12-time champion, knocked out. Phil, that obviously a you know, big story there. Rebecca Kenner beating Emma Parker 4-2. It was Jamie Hunter 4 and a Vandenboos nil. And uh, Mink, I've, I've, I've written the full name down, but we're going with Mink. Yeah. On the 4-3. Uh, that was a match decided on the final black as well. And then on to the semi-final stage, uh, uh, Wendy Yans, five, Jamie Hunter, two, and then Mink seeing off uh, Rebecca uh, Kenner, 5-1. Uh, before that, very exciting final we talked about. Now, you've spoken to Rianne Evans since, haven't you? And smashing piece from you. And Rianne of, offering our congratulations to the winner saying what a good prospect she is, but saying how tough she will find it on the, the main tour. And Rianne saying how, you know, she's found it a struggle uh, so far, both her and Onyi looking for a first win. Uh, I did hear Dave Hendon actually on a snooker scene pointing out just some pretty tough old draws this season. I mean, she's, she's getting the best players in the game time and time again in events. And, you know, it, anyone would struggle against those. But nevertheless, clearly hard. But... What's coming through is you need time, you know, and it's a bit of a second year thing, isn't it? And that's the beauty of the two years. You hope that they'll learn so many lessons from this year and take them into their sort of second season. But, you know, it's not, you know, we would love to see Rianne win again. She's brilliant. I know she was talking about trying to match the Phil Taylor total of world darts wins. Mm -hmm. She may still get there. But it's nice to shake it up a bit as well, isn't it? Have a new winner. It's got to be a good thing. Yeah, definitely. And from a different part of the world and everything. So that's all good. Um, yeah, it was interesting to speak to Rianne. It is, we, I mean, we know this, having spoken to the players sort of down the rankings and just being aware of results. But it really is such a grind sort of when you're not winning, well, in her case, any matches or many matches for some players, like turning up, playing in... Uh, in front of no one in qualifiers, losing against really good players because you're going to get tough draws at that end of the rankings. It's it's demoralising. I think she she described it as underwhelming a bit because she had that sort of a crazy start to the season at the British Open, didn't she, in that sort of mad atmosphere when she played Mark Allen. And then since then, it's been really just sort of cubicles in the dark playing qualifying matches, losing them all. Um, so, yeah, it's hard to sort of, you got to think of it in the first year is sort of just gaining experience, try and enjoy it and then push on in the second year, but it can grind you down a bit. And it did say, speaking to her, it did, it did sound like that a bit. Um, you know, I asked, have you, have you enjoyed it? And it was like, um, yeah, <laughs> it was rather than yeah, a firm yes by any means, but um, it's tough. It's a, it's a tough game uh, for everyone, especially when you're in the bottom half of the rankings. So um but hopefully, yeah, hopefully Erin on you can push on in, the, in, the, in their second year and hopefully they'll have some great advice for Mink because I think Rianne said some things had taken her by surprise a bit. So hopefully they'll, uh, they'll help out Mink and whoever joins on the, from the rankings this year, maybe well be Rebecca Kenner, but we'll see. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to have all four of them on next year. It really will. That's not something I was intending to say, but obviously things come into your head. Um, women's sport generally is enjoying a, a boon time, certainly in terms of what we see in newspapers, what we see on websites, what we see on television. You know, there are a, a proper 
big time highlights, aren't there? The Women's Super League, for example, on the BBC on a Sunday night after match of the day two, obviously match of the day men's Premier League, then women's highlights. You, you now see Six Nations uh, women's matches live on free to air on the BBC. Uh, and that's happening across sport. The Solheim Cup golf, I'm happy to say, is now getting a bigger, bigger profile every time. Not at the Ryder Cup levels, but not that that far behind. That's becoming a really big deal. It, it strikes me that if there's any time women's snooker to get bigger, this is it. Strike when the iron's hot type thing. And, you know, I, we, many fans I know enjoy watching it on Facebook Live. But I wonder whether the next time it comes around, whether we can have maybe the possibility of a, of a more substantial broadcast kind of deal. Maybe fans there, who knows? Because, as I say, if we're ever going to see a growth in the women's game, the way, that, the way that sport itself is playing out across the board, you'd think this is a, a prime time for it to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I have zero experience in getting television deals for sporting events, but I imagine it's difficult. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Um, have, yeah, it's, it's certainly not as easy as just sort of going and asking someone else to cut on the TV. Maybe, maybe it's something like how they've done with the seniors and getting on you know, BBC iPlayer or something like that. That I think that works quite well. Everyone can see it. Um, so maybe down that route or something. I did actually ask Brianne why it was only the final that was streamed. And to be fair, I haven't double-checked this, but she thought it was because because her and on year professionals, they weren't allowed to stream it because that would break their World Snooker contracts. But you're not allowed to stream people who are main tour professionals, which... Would, you know, if that is the case, then that would be quite disappointing because you would think World Snooker would not sort of kick up a fuss about that being streamed. Um, but as I said, I've not double-checked that with anyone, so I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, certainly it would be nice if it would have more exposure, um, even live, you know. I think this is put together sort of fairly late this season and next season hopefully we'll get back to some normality and it'll be played somewhere where some fans can go in and watch because, you know, Ding's Academy... Is a superb uh, facility, but it's really uh, a sort of training facility more than where you would expect a big tournament to be held. Um, and Rianne made that point as well. She didn't. She said it didn't really feel like a world championship. You know, it, it's more where you just go and practice and they're brilliant tables and everything. But I think they could take like a couple of people each, and that was it. So yeah, it was more sort of get. I think this one was more sort of getting it back after a couple of years out. And then we'll see where we're where we're stood next year, but hopefully it can, yeah, improve in terms of live experience and for fans to watch because I know people would like to watch it. A lot of people would. Guess what that was, Phil? That was a nice way of saying it. <laughs> Excellent. Free sports comes to my head, you know, as as a possible avenue for that, but you never know. It might sound obvious, but. I fit in this category, I know you do, I know thousands of people listening to us, hundreds anyway, I would, would agree with this. You know, I think we, we can say thousands, we do have thousands, plural, of listeners. Um, you, you watch snooker, whatever it is, actually. You know, because I know we had some people in, we had our correspondent recently saying that was, it, was there an element of, of fans being, being cheated because some of those seniors players, maybe not, uh, you know, have uh, been on the practice table as much as they, they could have been before that UK seniors event. But I was pointing out, I really enjoyed it. 
I don't know if it was, the, you know, partly because it was the first few days of the year, I found it nice company. I enjoyed this women's decider. Okay, it's a decider. It was, you know, high stakes. But I think I'd have watched it most of the week. You know, it, you know most, of the, most of the event, most of the, most of the days that it was on. So, you know, what I'm saying is, you know, you know it's not going to be massive straight away, but there'll be an audience. It might be a niche audience, but snooker fans will watch snooker. You know, they're not, they're not just going to watch because Ronnie's playing Judd Trump. Mm. They'll watch any match that's in tournament play, generally, or certainly the hardcore will. So that, that strikes me as a, a good base point. But you probably get it across most sports. But I think to be a bit biased to this sport that we talk about, maybe more with us than anything. Other sports, I, I tend to think there might be an element of, you know, what, what, what's the standard like? Or is this the elite level? Where We're, we're aware of standards and elite levels, but we kind of just like it as a bit of company, don't we? We, we like the game. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think, again, I think this season was sort of put together when it had to be, but hopefully next season, if they could find a spot for it in a rare spot on the calendar where there isn't uh, main tour action, you know, it, we're so used to it. When we got a couple of days without any main tour snoop cameras, like, where is it? Where's it gone? So if they could find uh, four days or something where there's a gap, you know, over the summer maybe even, um, it might not be ideal. But if it, a, a, a part of the year where there isn't any main tour action, loads of, bit, loads of snoop fans would watch it. Um, I'm sure of that. Um, so if that could be sorted, then that would be ideal. Yeah. I thought the Monday final was was a good idea, wasn't it? That that mm. that, that was you know a, a nice window, if you like, where you, you had that. But you're right; it's about it's not easy to find a slot, isn't it? I mean, the, the world seniors have got a, a brilliant slot now. Uh, it's yeah. the same this year, isn't it? I, I see no reason why it won't be. It's a, uh, you know at the Crucible just after the the, the 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 World Championship, you know. And we said before, it's a it, you know, saying it's a brilliant help with the come down is almost like a <laughs> a backhanded compliment, making it sound like it's not not big enough. But it, there is that element. It's like, oh my god, you know, we're all a bit bereft after the seventeen days, aren't we? We you know, like wandering around in the days. Where's the snooker? Where's Hazel? Where, you know, where, where's the action? But of course, then the seniors is brilliant with that. So you're right. Maybe a week after that, who knows? The women could could have their tournament. But listen, it's not easy. You know, as you rightly say. You know, we're not the ones having to sort out the calendars or negotiate TV deals or anything. But it, it just strikes me that if you're ever going to get, you know, women's snooker with a higher profile, now's the time. Because frankly, if you'd have said even five years ago that you'd have women's football highlights on a Sunday night after match of the day two, Phil, you'd have been like, I don't think so, mate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It can yeah, happen. Yeah. It can happen quickly. It can happen quickly if there's the will. And I think now there is the will across sport. You know, the, the time has long gone, uh, thankfully and rightly, where sport is completely dominated by men and the back pages are, uh, have men plastered all over them and we're, men's events are covered, you know, 90% of the time and women get a little bit of a look in. Those days are, are changing. It, you know, across the board, it, it's becoming more equal. So let, let's just hope so. But but yeah, I, I really enjoyed your Rian piece. And 
And she's, she's always a joy to listen to, isn't she? I think she's great on television as well. And she, she's a really good ambassador for the game. But, you know, very unusual to see her being beaten. Just shows, you know, that that's a sign that the standard in the women's game is slowly but surely rising, hopefully. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, you wouldn't, she would have, I didn't see any odds if there were any odds for this, but Rian would have been hot favourite, I imagine, especially after a season on the main tour. Um, you would have think sort of that competition would have, um, made her even even more of a threat in the women's game, but maybe it's like I said, it sort of it just grinds you down a bit. And she made an interesting point about um, almost sort of you. She almost took for granted. Didn't quite say that, but you get so used to winning, you don't think about having to win. It just happens. And then if you get out of the winning loop, you forget how to get over the line of stuff. And maybe that's what's happened on the main tour. Um, and that's made it almost more difficult when she goes back to the women's game, which is you wouldn't have necessarily thought so. But um, yeah, no, she's she's a great ambassador for the sport and women's snooker, especially. I mean, I got hold of it yesterday, and she she was really disappointed to lose in the quarterfinals. She probably didn't want to talk about a tournament that she'd just done unexpectedly badly in, but she was happy to do so and big up the champion and uh, and talk very positively about it. So um, yeah, no, she she's great. Well, we, we, we enjoy keeping tabs on that and following the, the climax, certainly. Uh, and congratulations again to Mink, the new world champion. Uh, there, are, there is some qualifying action. There's always action, Phil. Uh, Welsh yeah. Open qualifiers, as, as I said before, I think we, we, we all concur that the, the Welsh is a terrific tournament, which I'm looking forward to very much, as, as I always do. And we've had some qualifiers so far. They'll, they'll carry on in the, in the days to come. But an important win for Matthew Stevens. I noticed you were talking this up beating in Joe O'Connor 4-1. Matthew in really good form. He's, I think, 65th when I looked in the world rankings uh, currently. So he every win big for him. And uh, Jimmy Robertson uh, winning uh, against Peter Devlin 4-3. So it looks like Jimmy's uh, not having a hangover, but taking the, the best from what happened at the Players' Championship for him and, and, and taking it forward. But yeah, you'd like to see Matthew Stevens uh, stick around for a while longer, won't you, Phil? I mean, uh, it... Saw him recently, it was the shootout actually, an interview by Michael McMullen, who was doing TV work that week. And I, I hadn't seen Matthew for a while, and I forgot. I mean, a shootout's that kind of event anyway, but it's a sort of laid back chat, Matthew. You know, he's not, not much to sort of phase him or worry him, but you know, it's going back to yesteryear now, of course. But he was such a good player, it's best. He really was. You know, we said it before on here and heard it obviously many, many times elsewhere probably should have won the world title. Came close a couple of times, won the Masters, won the UK. He's a big part of Snooker's story, and perhaps that's undersold a little bit. Yeah, I guess because he, he never got the hand, his hands on the trophies as regularly as he might have done. Um, yeah, I was a big Stevens fan when I was sort of growing up. Um, he's been around for ages that long, really. Um, and he's a great player. I think he sort of, he, he said this, he was under... Will Snooker Tour podcast recently, I don't know if you listened to it, but um, he sort of said he should have won multiple world titles, really. He was good enough. Um, he, he, he's never... He takes it seriously, obviously. You don't get to the way he has been in the game without, but he could have taken it more seriously, I think. Um, he certainly enjoys other parts of life, and he didn't seem to regret that. I know Mike, Michael was asking him about that, and he was just saying, you know, what what's life about? Should I have turned down enjoy myself when I did to to focus more on snooker when I wanted to be enjoying myself doing other stuff. So, 
you know, it's a, it, that's a, that's how he looks at it. Uh, he certainly could have could have won a lot more, but it's easy to say, isn't it? But still, still an excellent player, and it's it's always nice to see the Welsh guys get through into the Welsh Open, especially when it's back with crowds again. And he played very well in that game against Joe O'Connor. Yeah, um, that that game you mentioned, Jimmy Robertson against Peter Devlin. Devlin was quite frustrated. I saw him tweet actually. He had a lot of chances, um, chances to win every frame. So I think Jimmy actually wasn't at his best there. Uh, it just about scraped through. Um, and Peter will be, he's sort of running out of chances to keep his tour card as well. I think he'll, it'll be hinging on the, on the World Championship qualifiers as it will for many players, but um, he, he may well be going back to Q school again. Now, that's a good line. Enjoys other parts of life. That's a good way of saying it. Which, which one of us could say, if it, which one of us could look at the mirror and say we haven't enjoyed other parts of life. I like that. Um, yes, yeah, so that those they will continue. European Masters coming up, Phil. More snooker should have been in Germany. It's a shame, especially after we, you know we the tour did go to Berlin. Instead, in Milton Keynes, um, which is becoming, of course, a, a, a brilliant backup in, in so many ways. And and there are some uh, interesting matches early on. Uh, to look to look forward to um scribble some down here uh, mark selby against matt sell uh, should be a good one that's uh, selby still looking for first title this season of course mm-hmm. the, the world champion and, and that one is in the first round so there's only four first rounders to come because they're the top four yeah so that's that's very unlucky for matt sell to be getting mark selby in, in the very first round yeah that's a stinker isn't it well, Wally O'Sullivan's playing Nigel Bond, combined age of a 102 in that one. And, well, there'll be some tablecraft in the Graham Dot Mark Davis uh, yeah. game, Phil. Looking forward to that. Uh, Hossein Bafai, Anthony McGill's one that, one that t- t- took my eye. And, uh, well, the aforementioned Matthew Stevens against uh, a clearly informed Ricky Warden should be a decent watch as well. So, good match to look forward to. Shame we're not in Germany, but listen... It's the pandemic. Well, you know, we'll see the action. That's the main thing. And uh, look forward to, you know, uh, an, an, another good week to come. Yeah, for sure. I think that was because, I'm not sure what the state is now, but the decision was made. It was meant to be in Firth, which in Bavaria, which they had quite bad cases, much worse than was going on in Berlin. That's why the German masters could be there. And they made the decision to move this one. So couldn't be helped. I'm sure they didn't want to do that, but it's it's been done. Um, but yeah, no, plenty to look forward to. Murphy versus Nopon um, stood out for me as well because Nopon got that great win over Sean in the 2020 World Championships in the first round. I think Murphy said it was the worst Davis snooker life after I losing that, that game. I forgot um, that, yeah. Yeah, it was quite incredible. Um, yeah, and a couple of other, I mean, as always, there's plenty to look forward to. Jamie Clark against John Higgins. Jamie Clark's another one who's sort of on the cusp, I think, needs a couple of wins probably before the end of the season. Um, so yeah, it'll be a good one again. Um, shame it's a Milton Keynes, but uh, they always do a good job. Uh, there's never never anything wrong with those tournaments, uh, so I'm sure they'll do that again. And uh, important, yeah. There's uh, there's pretty much four tournaments left, isn't there? Until until the world. So there's lots lots of battles for a tour championship place to get in the 16 for the Crucible to stay on tour. Um, these things are going on all season, but they become more and more sharply in focus at this time of the year, don't they? They really do, yes. So what is it now? European, Welsh, 
Turkey, Turkey and Gibraltar. And that's it, is it? And then the tour. Yeah, and then the tour. Right. Wow. Yeah. I had a look at the train tickets the other day, railway tickets. That that window is open. So we're, 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 we're within... We're within railway tickets being available uh, time now of Sheffield, Phil. That, that's how close, we're, we're slowly but surely, uh, we're getting. Barry Hawkins, Anthony Hamilton, another one here that I can see that's uh, mm. a good match to look forward to. Yeah, so lots of lots of, of, of top action to come. When, as you say, you know, it, it, it was down to COVID rates. I know they were very negative about this tournament. I think when I was at the UK and York, it hadn't officially been confirmed yet but I think actually when I was in York the talk was that both of them might be in trouble but then it kind of changed and then the the German Masters was in Berlin but yeah there was a lot of negativity about Firth actually from from quite a long time back so yeah but the action will go ahead and we'll look forward to that and uh, there'll be coverage on Eurosport of course and then hot on the heels of that uh, the Welsh Open which we will look forward to next week when Rachel Casey joins us, we cannot wait, can we, Phil, to talk to Rachel about her career, about becoming one of Snooker's top presenters. And that's the next voice you'll hear on this podcast. And, uh, yeah, we'll have a chance to look forward to the Welsh together because I know you were there last year. Not sure if you're planning to go this year. I don't think I am myself. But uh, it's, uh, it's a cracking event. And we should say 30 years old. I'm sure we'll say more about that next time. That's a, a good old slice of, of life, that, you know, getting towards a couple of generations there. Lots of memories. And I think it's partly that reason that makes it the top home nations event, frankly. But there's there's a lot of fondness out there in the snooker community for the Welsh, I think. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's obviously lumped together with the other three home nations now. But I think it's, in, in my mind anyway, I'm sure a lot of people, it's like it's a slight cut above, even though it's the same prize money, it's all part of the same series. But there's something a bit different about the Welsh. Even this placement on the calendar, it's got its own slot. The other three are fairly close together before Christmas. And yeah, the Welsh the Welsh is 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 slightly more prestigious um just for its history. I mean, that's not the other tournament's fault. There's nothing wrong with the other three, but the Welsh is, as you say, has been going on for a long time and yeah, it's, it's, it seems mad that that was uh, a year ago in, in Celtic Manor when Jordan Brown was winning it um, in sort of the the height of the pandemic. No fans there, hardly any people there at all, really. It was all very odd. But, um, yeah, that's that's going to be one to look forward to. Um, and, yeah, looking forward to Rachel Casey. And that's going to come round very quickly because we're a bit late this week. So it's going to be quick fire. Yes, next Monday we'll have Rachel on here. We'll, we'll really look forward to that. Yeah, you know you're right, actually. And, I mean, there's, there's lots of staging posts of life that remind us about the pandemic. And my mind's often going back to those first few weeks of the pandemic. And, oh, I mean, it just seems so funny now. I'm a bit UK-centric here, but I was, you know, Joe Wicks doing the online PE and the, and the Thursday night gathering, you know, for the applause outside our houses for the, yeah. for the NHS. And, you know, <laughs> I don't... Don't like to get too political on here, but um, <laughs> the days when people probably hung on every word of, of the government, they tune in for the weekly updates. Perhaps not. <laughs> perhaps that faith uh, in, in, in what in, in, you know in those messages dwindled for different reasons as, as time went <laughs> on. But but you know, it, with snooker, we can specifically remember. And yes, 
God, a world away a year ago. I mean, you, you were there in that press room. There was a few journalists there, wasn't there? I think a handful, or, you know, if that, looking at your face yeah. now, a small handful, plus our friends from, you know, World Snooker Tour media team. And that was sort of it. No one there watching at all. We all just watched it on television. It's just, wow. It, it's it's otherworldly in a way. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, it was, it was very, it was pretty much me and, um, one of the guys from Sportsbeat who do the sort of, they send them all out to the, the regional papers, local papers. So it was very quiet. Um, but I think that was, the, that was the first one that hadn't been at Milton Keynes for absolutely ages. So everyone was in sort of uh, quite good moods. That it was just a different venue. Um, and obviously amazing story of Jordan Brown that week. It was very, it was, it was great to be there. Um, but yeah, God, I mean, the last two years are very hard to sort of, some things feel like they were only a few, weren't that long ago, and other other things feel like it might have been a decade ago. It's really hard to pinpoint times and places, but uh, yeah, uh, we're glad that it's relatively back to normal now. Indeed. Well, I've got any other business here. Um, I will give a shout out to my new snooker coach, the hitman Michael Holt. God, I'd forgotten about that. I mean, look. Sometimes there's the old thing about, you know, who is it that pointed out that when, you know, when a friend does well, a little piece of me dies. Now, that's, <laughs> that's not relevant with you. My fondness for you is so, is so you know, strong that I, I'm pleased when you do well. With the odd exception, I can't be that pleased about this. This is misery. This, I said to Paul Barnsley, our, our regular fan and correspondent, that, this might turn into a Jimmy thing where I never get my hands on the Tony Mio trophy because, but I have to say though, Phil, being serious for a moment, now that you, you showed a shot on there. I noticed you've got thousands of views, well-deserved. What an action. You weren't showing that off much in tooting, to be fair. Well, no, that's credit to, credit to Mr. Holt. Um, I've got to say, he only, he only videoed a couple of shots. And uh, I was glad that was one of them because there were an awful lot of bad ones in there. But that was, I think you could tell by his reaction in there how he was very, <laughs> he was very pleased with that one compared to some of the other stuff I was doing. But um, yeah, no, it, it, this is more a recommendation for anyone else rather than sort of me talking about me going there. But um, yeah, if you are, if you're interested in uh, having an hour with a professional player and you're anywhere near Nottingham, um, it's, it's great. Um, it, 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 I learn loads really quickly. And it's fun. He's very, he's a very good teacher. Um, so yeah, if, if you're, if you're, in, if you were thinking about doing anything like that, then uh, I'd certainly recommend it. He's really busy with it. He's a lot busier than he thought he was going to be. So it is very popular. Well, I'm surprised you didn't think he'd be busy actually, because <laughs> you know I think you got a chance of Michael Holt coaching you. He yeah, has a lot of guys, guys and ladies out there that would take that. I would have thought, but. Uh, yeah, no, it, it, it's obviously a great service. It's one of those where it, it's a bit discombobulating a little bit when you're far away from home and you're seeing sort of, you know, missives from, from you know, from Blighty. And I looked at that and I thought, am I, am I seeing, oh God, is this the Californian sunshine going to my head? <laughs> am I really seeing Phil posting a video here being, being coached by Michael Holt? I, it's gonna be one of those sort of mirages. I'll just sort of wake up and, I mean, yeah, no, brilliant. You didn't, you didn't trail that, did you? That's the thing. You didn't tell me, you rascal. The, the well, first been, I'd spoken about it for a while, but I didn't know when it was going to happen. But then, uh, yeah, he had a gap in his calendar, so I just popped up there. But uh, 
He also did a great job of my... Uh, I've had a queue, probably quite awful queue that I've had since I was a kid. But it had been in the shed for a few years when I hadn't played. And uh, the tip the tip and the ferrule had gone a bit weird. But he did a nice job on that. And it's all looking nice and shiny again. Looks a bit more like a snooker queue now. So another recommendation. If you've got, if you've got a horrible old queue, he might do something well for that as well. So it's worth going and see him. <laughs> Brilliant. No, great. We'll, we'll have to sort out a date for our next meeting, won't we? Could could bring the spring this year. We could wait for the autumn, you know, and have it, have it a regular event in that time of year. But we'll definitely, we'll definitely get the the twenty twenty two talking snooker, you know, match underway at some stage. And I'll be looking for revenge. And but well, we'll- I, I can't remember who it was who posted on Twitter that you need that you need to be coached by Joe Perry for it. And I looked at the tweet, and it was liked by both of us. And both of them by Mr. Hull and Mr. Perry. So that looks like a signed contract to me, if anything had done. <laughs> yes, I could. I about to say I, that, that, that could be a prospect. I, I, I'd be very shy. I'd be very, very shy because I'd be like, oh, Joe, I'm, I'm, I'm bad, really. But listen. Yeah, I mean, I felt like that. It was, great. It was a bit embarrassing. But you know, he was great with it. I mean, obviously, they're used to teaching all levels, so yeah, you know, miss, me missing some very easy balls was fine. Well, let let let's not rule that out. That's what I'm saying. Let's not rule that out. Phil, you've been great company. Thanks for helping with the the post LA uh, uh, come down for me, and uh, we look forward to being joined by Rachel Casey next week. We can't wait. Yeah, no, for sure. No, we're well done for soldiering through. I know jet lag's a bit of a nightmare. Uh, and you wouldn't have known by listening to this, I don't think anyway, but I'm sure listeners will tell us if they did notice. <laughs> I'm sure they didn't. Um, but yeah, no, thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll be back on Monday night with a special guest. Was it a nice way of saying it overall from me? 100%, always is. <laughs> All the best to you, Phil. Thank you very much indeed. And keep your thoughts coming to us. Tweet us at Talking Snooker or email talkingsnooker at yahoo.com. Tweet us at Talking Snooker or email talkingsnooker at yahoo.com. See you next week when we're with Rachel Casey. But for now, from Phil and myself, cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.